Well, good evening, everyone. Grace and peace. Welcome to the table. It's uh, great to be with all of you. And we are in part three in our series uh, titled Lent from Repentance to Renewal. And uh, the season of Lent in the Christian calendar is a time of basically spiritual preparation leading up to Good Friday. Uh, and that, of course, is the day where we remember Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, so, you know, many people in our community right now are either fasting something uh, that is giving something up or they are engaging a, a new spiritual practice or discipline. And so if you haven't already, it's not, you know, it's not too late. We've really just just a few weeks into Lent. So you're welcome to uh, join us in this, this season of preparation. So uh, with that in mind, the title of my message this evening is Return return. Our primary texts are going to be Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verses 1 through 5 and Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 and uh, the great Brock Ellison. Uh, a number of you may recognize him. Um, he was at our Christmas Eve uh, service if I remember. Or maybe was he? I can't remember. But um, Brock's a good guy. So he's he's pretty new to the community the last few months, maybe six months now. So you know, only online. Um, but I hope you get to know him. You can get a little insight into his personality during this reading. So, Brock, take it away. Hey, everybody. Like Brett mentioned, my name is Brock, uh, and I'll be reading the passages for today. The first one comes from Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5, in the NI and this is from the NIV. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The second one is Isaiah 30, verses 15, and this is from the NLT. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Thank you, Brock. So uh, a few weeks ago in my weekly e-letter, I, I linked out to a story on ESPN.com. And uh, as much as I love sports, I think this was my first ever link to ESPN. It's just, you know, it's not exactly known for its profound depth and analysis of the human condition. Uh, but I, I came across this article uh, about former uh New York Yankees pitcher C.C. Sabathia and his incredibly arduous journey from alcoholism to sobriety. And the article's purpose was to kind of spread the word about a documentary Sabathia put out uh, titled Under the Grapefruit Tree that's uh, currently on HBO Max, though I, I haven't actually seen that. I've only read this article. Um, so I won't like give everything away, um, you know, in case you end up wanting to watch that. But, but basically the very short version is in 2015, uh, CC made the very difficult decision to leave the Yankees 
um, right before the playoffs started because he was deep in the throes of uh, a struggle with alcohol. And, uh, and of course, I mean, the timing of it, it was very controversial. Um, if you're a Yankees fan, you might you know remember this because, you know, a lot of the fans are thinking like, I mean, you played the whole season. Couldn't you just put this off another eight weeks <laughs> until this kind of playoff run ends? Like why right now? Uh, and then, you know, get your life right. But, uh, but no, no, CC. I mean, he knew he needed help. And um, what I found that was so compelling about this article is, is that ESPN, they chose the absolute perfect writer for this piece. That His name is Ryan Hawkinsmith. And just a few years prior, he um, had battled a prescription pain um, medication and alcohol addiction. And that um, basically, it took him to, to some very, very dark places. And so what Hawkinsmith does is he weaves his own story with Sabathia's. And y'all, it is a spirit-inspired article. Um, it's, it's amazing. You can go back in my e-letter and find that, or if you want, I can send it to you. Um, but here's just, this is just one paragraph that really, I mean, it just gripped me. Uh, so this is Hawkinsmith writing, and this is, at this point, he's talking about his own journey. He's not talking about um, Sabathia at this point. Uh, so Hawkinsmith, he writes this. That's the thing about what drugs and alcohol did to me, for me, actually. They made me not have to be present. They helped me not be here. I could go over there, in here, I had to feel stuff to know I was a bad husband and an unreliable worker and a flaky brother. In here, the mortgage was overdue and my daughter was teething and my right front tire was leaking air. Here was real life. The hard stuff I couldn't handle here, but over, de over there, that difficult big boy crap got swept away. A daily solution of pills and booze, a near-death experience that wiped my hard drive clean every night. I could try to deal with here again tomorrow. Maybe it'll be better in the morning. Of course, this, I mean, this is not just Ryan Hawkinson's story, and it's not in a way Sabathia's story um, this is our story. And our story, it may not be quite as dramatic. Um, it may not be blackout drunk every night. Uh, but who doesn't relate to that feeling of not wanting to face our life, of wanting to run away? I, I so appreciated how both almost like intense and mundane um, the things were that uh, that he kind of named, like on the more intense side, it's, you know, it's the realization, I, I can't face that I'm a bad husband, I'm a bad brother. Um, but also, he names how it's it was the mundane, right? It was the day in, day out, slowly wear you down type of things. The, the mortgage is overdue, the baby is teething, the kids are crying. The I thought the best one though, my right front tire is leaking air. <laughs> so it's so perfect. Like what drove me to drink? 
my right front tire was leaking air. Uh, I mean, and why? Because it's it's just this sense of overwhelm. Like you just the things start to pile up, and it's like I I I can't, I don't want to be I don't want to be here. You know, like what what led me to engage X Y Z destructive behavior? My kids kept crying. <laughs> like this is what he's naming so powerfully is that there's a certain, almost a restlessness that animates our lives. We're, we're just so restless. Our minds are so restless. There's just no peace. It's this constant, um, well, I mean, how did Ephesians 2 verse 3 put it? Paul says, uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. That word craving, that is the perfect word. Uh, later, he uses the word desire. Uh, but, you know, we often think, well, desire, I mean, that can be, that's, can be good. You know, I desire to serve people. I desire to love God. Like, okay, well, obviously, Paul's not talking about desire in that sense. Instead, he's talking about what Ryan Hawkinsmith is talking about, that, that impulsive desire, that, that craving for things to help me escape. We want, we want to escape our feelings, escape our anxiety, um, escape our fear, escape our self-loathing. It's this restless craving. Uh, our minds, they're, they're almost like a, like a dog. You know, chasing a scent, just kind of, just, just, just all day, just every day. Like there's, there's, there's something else. There's, there's something, something I'm missing. I mean, so we kind of go over here. Like I'm just, I'm not satisfied with where I am. There, there's something, there's something I'm missing. Just searching, 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 searching. And, and sometimes um, we kind of hit the jackpot and we kind of, we satisfy our craving like for an hour <laughs> or maybe a day. Um, rarely a day. I mean, it, it just, it almost never lasts. And then we're right back to it, that restless craving. And of course, I mean, Christianity is not alone in this diagnosis of the human roots of sin going back to this um, kind of endless search for, you know, pleasure. Um, it's very similar to, to what the, the Zen uh, Buddhist folks would call craving and aversion. Here's a very um, simple definition for these. Craving is the idea, um, you know, if I had that, then I would be happy. That's basically craving. Like it's the dog sniffing. It's the pursuit. It's the, you know, I don't want to be here. I need the thing over there. If I had that, if I could get there, then I would be happy. So that's craving. An aversion is basically kind of the inverse. If I could avoid that, then I would be happy, <laughs> right? So craving, if I had that, then I'd be happy. Aversion, if I could avoid that, then I would be happy. And, uh, and so this is our lives. Like it's basically just craving and aversion. We're just sort of making our way through the world. Um, and, and this is why often our, our kind of sense of joy and happiness is so fleeting because the cravings just, uh, they never satisfy. It never, it never leads to a sense of long-term peace. And the aversions, the right front tire leaking air, I mean, the things we don't want to happen, uh, well, they just keep right on happening. And, and yet, Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. In other words, 
that used to be the path we were on, Paul's saying. Like, we were all in our own ways, CC Sabathia. We were all in our own ways, Ryan Hawkinsmith, chasing our never-ending desires, trying to escape our pain, trying to find peace by satisfying our cravings. It's, it's the way of the world. And, and Paul is saying, like, that used to be us. We, we all know what it's like to live there. Uh, I, I think if Paul were alive today, he he might say, um, you know, we used to be the people who believed the commercials, the glossy advertisements. <laughs> that used to be us. Do you remember when you were young? And a uh, long time ago for some of you. Joke. All right. <laughs> remember when you were young and you um, you believed the advertisements? Like believing that your cravings could be satisfied, believing that if um, if only you took that pill or worked out in just that right way, then you could avoid all of the bad things in the world. Um, or if you just got that new thing, like then that would be it. I, I, I see this so much with my kids. Um, they're 11, 9, and 6. So, you know, they're like in that, that range where they like see something random, usually on YouTube, like a super soaker commercial. And suddenly it's their, their passion for living. You know, <laughs> they're like, dad, oh, and they'll show me like a running with the iPad, like, oh my God, I need this. I need this super soaker. Look, it's, it pumps out 10,000 of what, uh, whatever the advertisers, you know, they're just like, please, 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 please. And I look at them and I could just see the craving all over their face, just this sort of innocent, like, <laughs> but, but what do I know? I know that within three hours of getting that thing, it's just going to be tossed on the pile of all their other discarded things. And so I look at them and I mean, I quietly kind of judge them. I'm like, oh, you simpleton. But then five minutes later, I'm on YouTube watching a commercial <laughs> about, I don't know, some, it is, the, the targeted marketing is getting quite remarkable. I like used to, like when I watch television, I almost care about next to nothing on top, but like the internet, like they're, they know me. They got my profile, Facebook's got my profile. And I mean, whatever it is, like right when I want Bluebell, suddenly Bluebell ice cream advertisements. And I look at, I'm like, yes, yes, that, that is the key. That would make me so happy um, forever. <laughs> Here's, uh, I have a few examples. Here's a ridiculous advertisement. This is from McDonald's. Uh, Scott, you can put that up. It says, crafted for your craving. <laughs> for those listening to uh, like via podcast later, it's basically, it's a picture um, of a beautiful hamburger. And I mean, it really is lovely. Isn't it sad? Like it never looks like that when you buy it, does it? Never. Uh, crafted for your craving. What's the what's the message here? Uh, the message is: if you crave something, go for it. You deserve it. I mean, have you had your break today? Probably not. Like, so go for it, and then you'll be happy. This is life. It's desiring and it's satisfying the desires. Uh, or here's one. This is not um, food related so much. Uh, it says. Don't let desire pass you by. And again, for those listening via podcast later, it's, a, it's an image of two very beautiful people, uh, and they are about to kiss. And the subtitle 
um, it's, it's probably small on y'all screen, but uh, it says seduction, infatuation, tragic love, give in to the epic romance of opera at the Met. <laughs> I guess it's the New York Metropolitan Opera, that's my guess. Um, and I mean, it just, it's, I mean, it's strange, like seeing it kind of with a certain remove, you know, it just sounds utterly ridiculous. And yet something in us kind of starts to get drawn. Like, yeah, that's my ticket to happiness. Uh, why, why is this? What's going on? I mean, it's Ephesians 2. It's, it's just the way of the world, craving and aversion, aversion and craving. And that's why Paul says, all of us lived among them at one time. We have all been there, and, and maybe we still are there, drinking salt water in an effort to satisfy our thirst. But if you call yourself a follower of Christ, then you are on a journey. It's a journey, as we talked about a few weeks ago, into transfiguration, this deep transformation um, into um, Christ likeness, in, in where basically where every cell of your body radiates the divine life. This is why Paul in verse three um, says, oh, oh yes, that, that used to be us. We were, we were those people, we were chasing our cravings. But then he goes on in verse four to say, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. In other words, in our sins, it is by grace you have been saved. What he's getting at is he's, he's naming that God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and through the sending of the Holy Spirit is now um, luring us, calling us, drawing and transforming us into Christ's image. And, and notice the closing statement there. It is by grace you have been saved, which is to say this is a mysterious work of God in you. God is doing the transforming. And, and this brings me back to the passage uh, we read previously from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness, in confidence is your strength. Oh, but you would have none of it. <laughs> in other words, this is not some elaborate um, formula of spiritual transformation. This is not some complex series of religious hoops to jump through just so. <laughs> like, no, this is the grace of God, which means if we have really any work to do, any part to play at all, it's, it's simply the work of surrender, uh, of trust, of what Isaiah 30 calls return returning to his presence, only in returning to me, Isaiah writes, resting in me will you be saved. Uh, I'm big on the dog analogies tonight. So I was, I was thinking earlier, it's sort of like um, when you're trying to give your dog a bath in the tub and uh, they keep jumping out 
right? They're just like pawing at the like, let me out of here. And I mean, honestly, they don't have to do anything except stand there. Like then they would be cleaned. Then, cause you're gonna do all the work. Like you're, I have a little, little handle spray thing, you know, which is very helpful. All dog owners need some attachment like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dog, just all you have to do is stand there. I am going to literally like spray, massage in, you know, the bubble. I'm gonna do it all. But the, my dog won't, he just keeps, <laughs> he's trying to, right? And that's us. God is doing all the hard work. <laughs> we just have to stay put. Um, but boy, do we struggle to stay put. I mean, like like Hawkins Smith said, we we just run. Um, let me kind of, let me frame it and recap, um, recap it like this. Uh, to summarize, uh, craving, in other words, craving is chasing. Craving is chasing. It's chasing pleasure. It's chasing a peace that never lasts. It's it's a chasing that really, at its root, it's an avoiding of the present moment. Um, and that's basically what Ephesians 2 is, I think, getting at. But Christian spirituality is returning. It's, re, it's a return, returning to God, returning to myself, returning to the present moment, the place where God's presence is happening in me. And that, of course, that's Isaiah 30. Um, as the 12th century Christian mystic Meister Eckhart says, uh, God is at home. It is we who have gone out for a walk. <laughs> God is at home. It is we who have gone out for a walk. What he's saying is God is at home within. Christ is within you. The kingdom of God is is through the Holy Spirit, it is within you, right? The reality of God is happening in you. But but what happens, we keep we keep leaving ourselves, so to speak, right? You keep leaving, you, you keep running, we, we keep um, jumping out of the tub. Um, one word that's, that's often used that I actually think, I think it's really helpful. It's a helpful metaphor of this idea of returning. Um, and it's the word centered. Uh, and Karen actually used it earlier tonight. Um, this, this idea of being, being centered, remaining centered, which can sound a little, I get it, like a little buzzwordish, um, but it's really, I think it's really, really helpful. Um, and I think the reason it's helpful is because it's a word that describes um, the, the feeling on the inside of, as Eckhart says, of being at home with God, with ourselves, being okay with who we are and our life as it actually is right now. Uh, and so let me kind of describe that. Let me describe that, that feeling centered. Uh, you know, you know when you're like when you're in that state where you are very energized, right? Like you're not sleepy, um, and yet you're calm. So there's kind of an alertness and yet you're calm. That um, that inner state where, praise the Lord. <laughs> Your mind is not obsessing about the past or running wildly off into the future in that crazy, anxious way it usually does. But instead, you are simply here, present. And, and you find that in that place, you are at your absolute best. It's, it's like you're this ego um, part of you, this false self part of you. It is dropping away and your true self, 
that is your God-centered, Holy Spirit-infused self, is able to make the perfect response. And, and when you're kind of in that zone, so to speak, um, even just your presence can become healing and life-giving for the people around you. Like you don't even have to do anything. You can just be there listening. And it's like, God is, it, something is happening. Um, now, what's going on? Why is this? Is it because like, we're so great and spiritual? Um, I don't think so. No, I think it's because God, um, in this time, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us, right? We are centered. We, we are present. And in that time, we don't need to return because we are already home. If you, uh, if you can't tell, I'm speaking now very much from experience. Um, this is really, this is my own journey of trying to live into Ephesians 2 and Isaiah 30. Because um, when I parent, just for example, from that place of restlessness, that anxiety and in, in either craving or aversion, uh, it's, a, it's a disaster. When, when I relate to my wife, Maggie, from that place of restlessness, anxiety, craving, aversion, it's, it's a disaster. Uh, and I hate to say it, when I pastor, whether it's, it's you know, counseling with someone or I'm just maybe in a meeting or God forbid, I'm trying to resolve conflicts and I'm operating from a place of, of craving or aversion, uh, some, some place of like, of kind of needing to control, like they better listen to me. Um, they better change. They, they better not say such and such. They, they better, they better do this and not that. They better say this and not that. They better not do that thing. I hate <laughs> like, oh y'all. It's like, I mean, at its worst, like how did the, the apostle Paul put it as, as Brock Ellison read earlier? Um, the quote from Paul is the, it's like the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That was the language, just sort of this demonic, like some dark spirit, uh, some terrible shadow is using me when I get in that mode. Like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Um, but the moment I return, the moment I return, the moment I take a deep breath and I return to God in my true self, suddenly, man, God is so faithful. It's like the spirit is flowing through me again. Why? Because it is always in a sense of inner quietness and peace that we find God. That's our work. It's the work of return. So um, in closing, I'd like to get very practical and answer um, the question you might be wondering, uh, which is, you know, like, how do I return? Um, and let me start by saying, you know, Again, there is no like secret formula. As Ephesians 2 and Isaiah 30 name very really clearly, this is a work of God. There's a there's the gracious goodness of God in us that does this. And so honestly, I do not know how spiritual transformation happens exactly. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but what I can encourage you to do is engage um, the same kind of paths of return, we call them around here, spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, um, that basically it's the same um, practices that people on this Christian path have been practicing now for, you know, um, a few thousand years. 
So um, let me mention just a few examples from people here um, at the table. Um, one practice is journaling. Journaling. Um, my wife, Maggie, she's a journaler. This is her thing. And if you think about it, like it's pretty, it's really, I think, a smart practice because she kind of lives her day and then she reflects on her day, right? Where, where was she in tune with God, um, living in her true self? And where was she? Not so much. And, and then it's in the process of writing that she becomes more discerning of these kind of two states of being. Right. She and so she's growing in self-awareness. She's growing in um, in her God awareness. So journaling is one path. Um, second, worship through music. I suspect this is Adam Thompson's path. Adam uh, will occasionally send me songs or like screenshots of songs. And he'll say things like, oh, man, this song has been bringing me to God. And which I'm always very encouraged by to know people, you know, are learning to love God and actually doing that like outside of Sundays. Does my pastor's heart good? Um, but also Adam, he loves playing music, right? So it's not even just listening, but it's playing. And so I just, my, my hunch is this is one of Adam's uh, paths. And there is uh, something about music, isn't there? Where just where we're really paying attention um, that for many people, when we're doing that, it just, it brings us back to God's presence. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful form of return. Uh, the third, third way is scripture. Uh, this is folks like um, Roy Parker. Uh, I know Stephanie Acuna does this uh, quite a bit. Um, Graham Branson, and honestly, anyone, you know, who wants to be shaped by Christ in the Christian story. I mean, you just cannot get around like <laughs> scripture. It's just really essential. Um, and there's something, you know, about, uh, not even necessarily like mining it for like nuggets or something, but just reading it slowly and, and kind of prayerfully, meditatively, just allowing God um, to highlight things, to bring them to your attention. I think it, it really infuses um, the mind with, with God's story. And, and again, it's a great way um, to grow in self-awareness and God-awareness. And then finally, um, prayer, prayer and meditation. Uh, you know, folks like uh, Josh Brock, and uh, myself, we, we really love um, prayer and specifically the prayer of silence. And as I told you before, I practice something called centering prayer. You can Google it. And um, I like it because I feel like it's such a direct practice of return. You know, I'm just, I'm sitting in God's presence. I'm there. I'm silent. And then what happens? My mind starts to wander. And at times it's sort of, you know, just normal silly stuff kind of just distraction and then other times it's you know back to like ruler of the kingdom of the air kind of stuff like it's my my mind go really dark places fury and rage at someone and it's just this beautiful practice of like okay no just returning just returning to god's presence again and again and again and that's a wonderful practice um for life and of course i mean there are others i could talk about um, fasting, I could talk about um, community, you know, meetups and sharing. That's so powerful to, because other when you're in community, people reflect back to you. They become sort of a conduit for God to meet you. So, I mean, I go on and on. This is not some exhaustive list, um, but I hope, my, my hope and prayer is that in this season of Lent, you're able to intentionally engage something, right? It's very easy to get quite um, judgy 
of other Christians. Like, come on, man. Why don't those Christians act like true Christians? They're so unconscious. They, they totally lack self-awareness. Um, all while completely failing to do any practice that would open us up to God's presence. <laughs> so let's, uh, in this season, let, let's not just talk about it. Let's not just blame others for their own failures to return. Uh, let's live it. Let's live it ourselves. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this community. And I thank you that you are teaching us to return. And so, God, I pray for perseverance and faithfulness. God, even if it's even if it's ten thousand times a day, would we return? God, through music, through art, through prayer and scripture and community, God, would we return? Would we learn to live from our true selves and from that place? God set us free, set us free. God, I just pray for every person who resonated with that opening story and, and quote, God. Maybe they're lost in, in addiction and just a restlessness. Lord, would you meet them powerfully? Do a deep work in their hearts. Yeah, save us, God. Save us from ourselves. Do, do your work. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.